these guys look awesome. And I, you know, there's a lot more that's going to come out about them. They just got a, I, I don't know, if it was 175 or 200 million dollar cash infusion. They are now a unicorn. They are. They are. If you have a local food product, go to your local farmer's market, and if they don't let you in, there's another one that will. It's you the gotta best make sure, test market, yeah, for sure. Go prove your product. He wants to make sure that, that nobody confuses CBD and THC. Mm-hmm. And then he says, he's a chilled out sloth that was enjoying himself. He gets lots of sleep, he likes to hang out, And that's the overall feeling of CBD. Kind of sounds like he went the exact opposite of what the CBD world is whining out of it. So I just, I I just thought that that. was, I'm making fun of this company. Yeah. And the marketing team behind it. And the marketing team behind it. Because I'm going to tell you, that is not CBD. Welcome back to Edible Economy. I'm Nate. And I'm Kim. And we are here under new format rules, right? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. First, foremost, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. It's your support. It's your help. It's tuning in. It's sharing with people that makes it possible for us to keep doing these awesome shows, if I say so myself. Yes. Do you agree? Yeah. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so um, we're going to jump into fun articles and cool things going on in the in the food and technology and economic worlds and local food and all the fun things that we usually talk about. But before we jump into that, we just want to give an update on all of the things that, that we do in the local food, kind of our edible economy, even though our edible economy is our podcast. An update on on the status of our edible economy. So we have the farmers markets. Yes. We have the farm, and there's two farmers markets. There was more, but we realized, hey, more is too many. Of course, we're thinking about a, a new a new location in downtown Denver. We'll keep you posted on yeah. how that happens. Um, and then there's Arvada and Westminster farmers markets. Let's just recap those. How did you think the farmers markets turned out this year? I mean, overall, they were amazing. They were amazing, weren't yeah. they? And the only thing that I was disappointed in was how they like they finished out not as yeah. They, usually, like our last markets are just they're one of our top rocking. three markets of the year. Yeah, and it's amazing because we had the threat of rain, and I, did it sprinkle a little bit on the last day? I don't think it did. No. I think it was just cold. Yeah, and and there, but it was amazing. Um, but overall, it's great. It, like it was great. More the, people are coming. You the know, foot traffic more customers, exploded which this means year. that we can support um, more farms. I would say one of the top questions we get is, are you know, are there more farms here? Usually, even though we have two, three, four, five, like six produce vendors, um, but we won't accept more unless they're all making enough to make it worth their while. So right. I think we're... And when you say six produce vendors, that's a bit misleading because okay. they're, you know, almost all of them have two to four, but they're massive. So Right, right. They have more than one tent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a There's... big portion, a percentage of tents. It's big, bigger yeah. than just six. There's almost 20 tents of, of local food. 
in a 42 tent market. So right. almost half right. is just produce, which is which is really, I mean, that's nice. So, so yeah, thanks to all the customers that come out and keep supporting the small farmers. Yeah. And don't be fooled. The misnomer of farmer's markets in Colorado is not just um, a place where there is tents with all farmers. If you find that market, let us know, because I'd love to see what it's like. <laughs> and I don't think that they would succeed. You know? Well, no, because people want to do. They I want mean, bread. my goal they want eggs. of the farmers market is to make it so people don't have to go to the grocery store. Right. I mean, there's some things that you're going to go for, but it doesn't. You don't have to go to make dinner. And remember, side note: there was <laughs> there was a there was a, a competition to find the best farmers market in the state of Colorado a few years ago. Um, yes. And I'm sure this is like this in a few states. And you remember who won? Sunflower Farmer's Market. It was a grocery store. Oh, the grocery store. And they right. won because like, they had the name Farmer's Market in them, yeah, which was, brings me to another side note. <laughs> which isn't even Sunflower. Anymore. There is, uh, in, in Northwest Minster, there is a gas station that's called something Farmer's Market, which just cracked me up because, you know, there's a, a lot of companies out there that want to greenwash or local food wash themselves. And then I saw a gas station. Thought it was <laughs> pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. So and then Westminster was awesome this year. Yeah, we, that grew. I mean, it's at a new location, which was just a really comfortable location. Like it felt good. There was it did good feel energy. Good. Trees um, for trees shade. Trees and grass and. Yeah. Uh, old uh, the Arvada Farmers Market is in uh, Old Town Arvada. Westminster one is at 98th and Sheridan. At a church up there, but anyway, it was it was a little bit nerve wracking moving that you know again, again, right? Cause, right, because this is one to the third time it's moved. Yeah, so it's been in four locations. Yeah, and we tell people that a death knell of markets is moving them, but moving them from the location that it was at to the new location was. I mean, it was a huge upgrade. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it was great. And I think a lot of the diehard supporters, they came out and continued totally. to support us. Yeah. So, yeah. And so stay tuned. There could be a, there could be a third market next year. We, we don't know. We're in discussions right now with a group to see how that could work and who we could have manage it. Um, and then there's the Arvada Winter Market. The Winter Market. The Winter Market. Yep. So Saturdays in December. Yeah. So the visitor center brings Santa out to the Old Town Square every Saturday in December, free for the kids to yeah. tell their Christmas list to. And, and there's and all kinds of great Christmas gift ideas. And, you know, I think the big thing that we're pushing is get your entire holiday meal there and make it as local as possible. And, and gifts, because there's going to be more craft vendors and stuff than there right. are typically at the farmer's market. Yeah. So we're um, calling it a holiday market because it's not really representative of the farmer's market, but there's a lot of the really good food vendors. Well, and the, and the food vendors are doing cool, like, gift packages. Like, yeah, like um, natural beef. Natural yeah. beefs is going to be awesome. Yeah. And then our... Um, they always have incredible deals. Too. Bloody Mary um, company is Treeline, Bloody Mary's. 
Yeah. Uh, collaborating with the local vodka group and creating little packages. And it's going to be cool, cool yeah. gifts too. So if you haven't been out yet to see the the holiday market, Saturdays with Santa in Old Town, Arvada, come out and see us before we're gone for the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then so and then we uh, an update on the farm. We just finished with the the Colorado Ninja Challenge and Bromley Farm Festival, and it was it was crazy good, wasn't it? It was. We've it heard was amazing. there were articles uh, written on SB Nation with uh, a ninja section that had over two million Facebook followers. I know we're not good on Instagram, and we should be, but I bet they had even more or have even more Instagram followers. And from what we hear, it may be the largest gathering of professional ninjas outside of the Las Vegas finals. And I say that with with the my voice sounds like I have authority, like I understand. I learned quite a bit <laughs> from the ninjas. They uh, quite an education. And man, what a difference a year makes, right? Yeah, what an awesome group of people yeah. these, these American Ninja Warriors were. I mean, yeah. Just briefly, so our first fun. year just wasn't it wasn't what we thought it would be working with a, a group of ninjas. But this one, I mean, these guys were amazing. And it's it's really cool. We've talked a lot on this show about finding strategic partners. And it's funny in a local foods world, in a local economy world that we're talking about American Ninja Warriors on right. a podcast. But as you've heard, you know, we've had a. Uh, We've had a few of them on on the show, um, but it's it's cool. They you know they they care about what they eat, and you know a lot of them are from from the local areas, and they they support what's going on. It was just a really cool group of group of guys and girls that came out. Yeah, they promote healthy lifestyles, right? And um, you know education and for kids and right exercise for kids. Yeah. And so, uh, so we've got that, and then we have the podcast, which if you've been following along, you know you know the updates, but podcast has been amazing. It's been, uh, what a cool different experience. You know, we, we had somebody approach us and say, hey, you guys, you guys should do a podcast. And we recorded ourselves, we just, Kimberly and I sat in a room and recorded ourselves and listened to it. And then we said, okay, I, I think... I think we can do this. Let's let's give it a whirl. So this has been this has been a blast. I know we've slowed down a little bit with uh, with show production. The slow time of the year, the slower part of the season for most people, most local food stuff. But the news never stops. You no, know, the we've news got, never stops. We've got a lot of really, really, really cool things going on. Um, but one last, you know, what would a year in the life of Kimberly and Nathan be if we didn't start a company? I mean, it, it would be like a year <laughs> oh, that gosh. never was, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we we will do a, a more in-depth show on this in the future. But one of the things that we realized at the farm is there is a lot of functions that they're not profit centers, but you and I, they're a must for us to be doing what we do, um, and that's educational outreach. It's it's all kinds of, of things that we do at the farm. And so we are starting, um, well, we have already started uh, a nonprofit um, 
it'll come out in January. We'll we'll release all of the info in January. Oh, yeah. But it's it's what a process this has been. I mean to you start know, a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like when I went to uh when I went to law school, I would hear people say, Oh, you know what? I was gonna go to law school. And right. oh, okay, you were gonna go. Or which, I am going to law school. Yeah, or I'm gonna go. And and they don't realize that it's more than just a declaration. So in starting a nonprofit, it's more than just a declaration because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you should just go start a nonprofit. Right. Like, for years. Like for like you, 10 years. Yeah. Like you just <laughs> go online and you click a button and you're like, oh, it began. It's been a really cool process. I've had some really good support from from people uh, in the community. We, we've had a lot of help on what you do. Like, and why? like creating a board, that's super hard. Yeah, to... and I'm really excited about our board. I, I so want to just start talking about and telling yeah. who's no. on the board, who's helped do these things. It's been, uh, it's so cool though. Uh, and so stay tuned for that because we're just, we're covering every single basis that we can. We want to give everybody an entry point into local food, whether it's, it's, coming out to a farmer's market, whether it's doing an awesome event out at the farm, you know, breakfast with Santa, doing a ninja course, a corn maze, high tea. I mean, wedding. Yeah. Get married out at the farm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> your, Corporate event, events. Yeah, yeah. For your business. It, it's really, it's really, we want to give you, or if it's just listening to the podcast. Yeah. We want to give everybody as many different entry points as possible into local economy. It's really into local economy and our main vehicle is, is local food. So stay tuned for that. It's, it's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, check back in January. If you're looking to, you know, unload a lot of cash, I've got a place for you to do. (laughs) (laughs) So we have started the shows recently with words fancy words, $12 words, you know, it doesn't even have to be more than one syllable if it's, if it's fancy enough. Um, so, uh, there's two words we're going to do today. Kim, do you know what a unicorn is? Well, I, I think everyone does, but since you're asking me, I'm guessing no. What is it? What is it usually? (laughs) A whore, a magical, a mythical horse with one horn, which is always weird to me that it's like, I don't understand why it's not called a unicorn. Yeah. That's what our son calls it. Yes. Yeah. Used to. Yeah. Well, used to. Yeah. Back in the cute days. Yeah. No, he's still cute. He just, he doesn't <laughs> mispronounce words like he used to. <laughs> Maybe it's because of all these fancy word projects that we do. Maybe. <laughs> so that, that's correct. Yes. In, in mythology, it is, uh, you know, a magical horse with the horn, I'm sure there's a better definition. I didn't look up that definition. Okay. So, but in the economic world, it is a business that has reached uh, a billion dollar valuation. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I've read that <laughs> yeah. and just thought like people were trying to be cute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because in in a lot of the local foods companies that become something big, they, you know, they do it with cutesy. Um, yeah. That is something I hope we are never accused of. Uh, I, I know that. <laughs> cutesy. Yeah, we don't do cutesy. So unicorn status. Unicorn status. And, w- and in just a moment, I think we should 
let's talk about a unicorn, right? Yeah. Not the mythological, but let's talk about a unicorn. Yeah. So the other word, this word is is hilarious. I've been telling uh, my brother, who I guess I can say he's one of the people that'll be on the a nonprofit board. <laughs> but I've been telling uh, my brother about our project that we're doing um, with words, the family project with words. And so he gave me, <laughs> this is an incredible word, pedant. Pedant? Pedant, yes. And somebody who us? is a pedant can be acting pedantic. So pedant is the word used for people that try to show off how knowledgeable they are with words. Oh, so you're and, pedant. No, I you're... see I'm not. I'm, I'm just trying to educate. But it's hilarious because <laughs> who would know the word pedant? Only pedants would know the word oh, pedant. Yes. So, you know, if you're sitting over there saying avuncular or quixotic, I could be like, oh, what a pedant. Yes. <laughs> and the, you know, the act of doing it is pedantic. So I, I just, I love that, that I, I don't even know how that comes together. I think it's so hilarious. So say the definition one more time. It's essentially a person who tries to show off how scholarly they are or how how well versed how how well spoken by using high dollar words okay essentially got it yeah it's a great word it's yes. a great word to describe people that use great words just to try to show off yes only known by people who you know are trying to show off their great <laughs> words <laughs> so back to the unicorn yeah so we came across this company I'm I'm looking for them on my notes right now because they are they are awesome. Um, sweet green, sweet green, and these guys. So it, it looks like a group of of uh, college roommates that decided they wanted to do something cool in the local food world and while they were still in college. While they were still in college, mm -hmm. which I think is neat. Um, yes, you know because. We, we talked about this in one of our previous episodes. When do you get that introduction into the... When do you begin to care enough um, about it? But these guys right. cared enough to really do something cool. And they are now a unicorn. They are. They are. That's amazing. It, it really is. So they... So happy for them. They have... Uh, their entry point into the, into the world was... Or into the economic, local food world was through restaurants. And so, and now they've begun to develop software, which helps with their distribution. It helps with their accounting. They created their own POS system, which I, I will tell you, if you could, if you have a company that's like them, that's cu really customer facing, if you sell one or two items or you have a line of items, I don't think you need to create your own POS, POS system. But if you have a restaurant and you distribute, I mean, how cool I'm shocked. is that? What? I didn't know they created their own POS system because. Hmm. <laughs> what? I mean, there's so many good out of the box ones that you can modify that yeah. speak to then your ERP system, your back end giant accounting system. Oh, okay. Um. So wow. Yeah, well, if you that's think a about lot it, of work. It is a lot of work. And we know firsthand because we spent three years, yes. two and a half, three years uh, developing essentially Etsy for local food. Right. Which I still want to do someday, world. Someday. I'll never give up. <laughs> I never quit on anything, do I? <laughs> but so if you think about it, it's really good. So 
they have a certain way of connecting with farmers. So they create a distribution system, not only of, of sweet green to customers out in the world, but they also have a distribution system from farmers to sweet green. Right. And so something that is, is really difficult. And I, I think we just talked about this on a show recently yeah. is that you can't just pick up your local foods model um, or your or your local economy model in one locale and move it to another one and just say oh it's a plug and play you know right. let's just let's just do this uh, these guys I, it looks like they are growing slow enough which is right. absolutely That's necessary the key. and they're they're not growing from New York to Los Angeles to whichever big city between New York and Los Angeles wants to call themselves the third coast, bruh. So, uh, but anyway, have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody in a big city that is, is hip and cutting edge wants to call their locale the third coast. Right. You know, Chicago, Chicago. Austin, yeah. Denver. Boulder probably wants to call just themselves the, the third coast. But hey, Boulder's... Boulder's got a good claim, you know. They've yeah. done some really awesome things up there. So, but they needed, they need, and they needed, need, and will need their their POS system. And one of the reasons that I read about that they decided to keep their POS system and not share any of it or do anything uh, besides well, just to outright own it. First of all, they don't have to rely on anybody else. And so that is so true. And when when we were doing ours, we we know that you can't rely on just one person. Right. And I know the tech world hates this because the the hit by a bus. But I mean, come on. You know, if that person gets sick for a week, who does all of your, you know, your back end? Like, oh, sorry, customers, we're going to take a week off. And uh, we'll get back to you. Yeah, we'll oh, fix that. Yeah, shortly. and and um, you know this this tech the the pressure of tech just makes it so that we need to disconnect for a month just to kind of reconnect with ourselves. So uh, you guys just take a month off from selling your food, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they own it, and they have a team of developers doing yeah, it. Yeah, and so they never have to rely on 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 anyone else. And then. Their system of connecting with their customers and then connecting with their businesses, which is, you know, that's one of the things we had is you had you had two customer bases as the business owner. You had your B2B and your right. B2C. Right. And so these guys, I mean, I have looked at dozens and dozens of these companies. And then I've heard about dozens and dozens more of these companies. And I've always looked at them like, eh, I don't care about those. I, you know, they're not interesting to me, you know, talking about glory days, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, because we didn't want, didn't want to admit failure already. I've said that. Um, and I didn't want to admit any of these were any good compared to what we did. These guys, Are these awesome. guys look awesome. And I, you know, there's a lot more that's going to come out about them. And that's one of their... Uh, one of the big reasons they just got a, I, I don't know if it was 175 or 200 million dollar cash infusion or investment to make them a unicorn. Right. But they talk about a lot of that is going to go towards the tech part, which is awesome. Think about that. They're they're really you know sleek interior modern 
restaurant that's open concept so you can see everything being cooked they do a great job of bringing in uh bringing in the 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 local food from yeah, around the area somehow they can source enough food yeah, locally. to keep it going to keep without it going. Ha- and it, 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 maybe there's a qualifier on there but i didn't even see a qualifier of we do the best we can and bring in as much as possible it looks like they do local food yeah well i mean i think they have because they have restaurants, uh, you know, in L.A., in California, in the D.C. area, and in New York and stuff like that. But Which I just said, you know, you don't want to go to that, but they did it slowly enough. They've mm-hmm. been around for 11 years. Right, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but their farms, I would say they're more regional, right? So it's not like the farm is just two miles away from every restaurant or something. They have larger regional farms so they can meet with the demand. And did you did you see, do they have multiple locations in, say, one city or one metropolitan area? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Tons. then they can create a centralized distribution with their software right. to know how – it's just – it's it's awesome. And um, they, they said that one of the ways that they started to meet people was going to farmer's markets, which – I think is awesome. Right. I met um, I met a gentleman just the other day at the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union National Conference. Uh, I did a cool panel discussion there, and he had he had a, a grain grinder, which is awesome because you know we use grain grinder, but we use the old school hand crank grain right. grinders. He had uh, one that was two stones, two grinding stones. That you could you could shrink or enlarge the distance, sure. To create you know how how fine of, and it's it's a it's a pretty cool thing. Um, I guess he was in was in medical sales, um, but he's got a really cool product. It's three or four hundred bucks per. Oh, he makes grind. the grinders. Yeah, but that's it's it looks like a juicer or a bread maker, right? Like that's that you know you plug yeah. it in and then hit a switch. Um, and so I talked to him and he's like, well, what should I do? Where should I go? You know, I, I just, and he just wanted to jump right into getting into stores, just go right to the stores, mass distribution. And that's not going to work. You know what he's going to have? He's going to have a whole bunch of these grain grinders sitting in his garage in in five years and 10 years thinking about glory days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so I told him, Hey, go to farmer's markets. And I, I will tell you, if you have a local food product, go to your local farmer's market. And if they don't let you in, there's another one that will. And if they don't let you in, there's another one that will. Then there's fairs and festivals. There's all kinds of things. You just have to go out and prove that people want your product. And you don't have to prove this to investors, which you eventually will. Yeah. Uh, you got to prove it to yourself. Are you wasting time? I mean, is it a, it's a great recipe, but you know, maybe your packaging sucks. And so people are like, that looks disgusting. You know, maybe your packaging is awesome and your product doesn't have enough sugar or salt or something in it to make it to where people want it. It's the best test market for sure. Go prove your product. And anyway, he didn't want to, he didn't want to prove his product. So, you know, just jump. And uh, one of the articles that we actually looked at was uh, food industry veterans say that building a community 
is the most important part of a food startup. And it's absolutely true. I don't know. I uh, mean, the amount of vendors that we've had at our farmer's market, they, you know, we, we let a few new ones in every year. You can tell. You can just tell. You can tell by good. their application. Yes. And if they're going to give it their all and they're going to make something of it. But so many companies actually started at the Arvada farmer's market and now they're in grocery stores right. all over. Right. And then we had, and, and, and they're still at the Arvada farmer's market. And they're still in grocery and stores. And those all are over. the ones that are going to make it. Yeah. Those are the companies that are going to be there for the long haul. And, but we've seen multiple companies that they come in and they'll do the market for three or four weeks and they get such a great response that all of a sudden they just air quote can't show up. Yeah, they're too busy. Yeah, they're they're too busy with with everything going on. And then they've they've gotten a deal with Whole Foods and Kroger and you know, not I haven't heard of many going to Walmart, they but can't, King Supers. They can't meet the and demand. Yeah. And then they don't have the inventory. Yeah, they scaled so quickly that they can no longer do farmers markets, which was their marketing tool. Right. So then they're in a grocery store. Uh, let's say they sell peanut butter in a sea of a hundred other peanut right. butters, or tea where there's an entire aisle of exactly. tea. Exactly. And then they're they're gone. And then you know you don't hear from them the next year. They don't apply, which we probably wouldn't let them back in because right. they didn't you know fulfill their commitment. And then you don't you don't you start seeing less and less on their socials. You less and less in their in their email, yeah. you know, their email blasts and then they're gone. Yeah. And they scale too quick. Now that's not to say that if you have a great product and you tested it at the farmers market and then you went on to uh the grocery stores that you have to stay in the farmers market. That's not true. That's not true at no, all. Stay but you can't do longer. it too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's where, and so this article, it's, it's pretty cool. It, it essentially says, you know, don't be so focused on getting into the grocery store. Be focused on building brand awareness and building a loyal following. I've read that if you can, if you can build a hundred, uh, or no, I'm sorry, a thousand loyal customers that are willing to spend a hundred bucks a year that you've made it, that you've got it. Oh, that's cool. Statistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that you're going, you're going to succeed, especially if you've done that in one locale, Yeah. you know, because, you know, say you do that in the Chicago metropolitan area. Well, then you're going to be able to go to Gary. No, I'm just joking. You'll be able to go to Indianapolis and do the same thing. <laughs> when you said Gary, I thought you were talking about a person. I was like, what? <laughs> now no, I'm lost. You've I'm, lost me again for I'm like the 10th time so far. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about the beautiful lakefront city of Gary, Indiana. Right, right. Gary, Indiana. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you'll be able to replicate that. And, and you know, you've created... A thousand people on Facebook that like you, that follow your Instagram posts. I don't know if they'll follow you on Twitter because really that's just a tool to, you know, parrot what other people are saying mostly. Uh, unless you are one of the other people that people are parroting. Yes. But anyway, thousand local fans or fa thousand, thousand loyal fans that spend a hundred bucks a year. I think that's some of the, I wish I had heard that advice because if you can 
segment what you actually have to go after and you're thinking i don't need a million users on my platform right i need one thousand people that will spend a hundred bucks a year and if you think about it at our at our businesses that we're doing that's where we're getting you know uh, I mean, at the farmers yeah, markets, we definitely have a thousand people that go to both of the markets that spend a hundred bucks a year. Yeah, you know, you could help us, podcast listeners, by uh, <laughs> by, by by getting us a thousand people to listen. And <laughs> you know, listen when we live stream, yes. yeah, when we live stream, let's have a thousand people on when we live stream at a time. Um, <laughs> that's actually huge. Yeah, that would huge be huge numbers. It's impossible. But uh, but anyway, so this is this is really cool. We'll we'll link this, and for you know, food entrepreneurs that are listening, or people that know any entrepreneur really, get a thousand loyal customers. I get. I guess this is probably you know this could go across the board. You know, I'm a financial advisor. Right, get a clients. thousand clients that spend a hundred bucks a year. You need to get a thousand clients that spend, or no? How about five hundred clients that spend two hundred dollars a year? Yes. Yeah, and the math does say that you can do that. Okay. You know, if you have a thousand dollar product, I guess so you, you don't can even get need that money. A hundred. That many. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean just to do like someone's will, right? Yeah, that need need me to do their wills. Yes. Yeah, it's funny that that's, uh, well, I was going to say that that's a side hustle, but anyway. It's not. <laughs> it's not. All right, so you had, I, I probably need to take a sip of water because I think I've been talking a lot, but you had you had something you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I just want to give an update on the farm bill because we did a podcast about the farm bill. It didn't like pass so they're still working on it there was an extension now it's still being worked on so now it's going to be worked on in lame duck because we've passed the november election and the main things are the commodity title so the one where the one that you think the farm bill is where people get subsidies for non-food you mean corn Soybeans. Corn and soybeans. Yeah. yeah. So we're still they're they're still working on that, but have a handful of working options. But so then the nutrition title is the one that's just holding it up, basically. So that's the one that covers the supplemental nutrition assistance program. So which, And it also covers farmers markets and things like that, doesn't it? Yeah. But the but the main portion of the nutrition title okay. is snap okay and it's just stuck so i don't know what's going to happen with that um people are not willing to ease up and and work on negotiating so we'll see what happens but hopefully something happens by the end of the year okay do you have a link to to a farm bill update i do okay so cool. we'll put that in the show notes i I actually uh, ran into Nick Lewandowski um, oh, at yeah. the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union conference, and he—that's that's one of our previous shows where we talked about the farm farm bill, and he's he's pretty confident that it's going to be happening, that it's it's going to be signed into law soon. He thinks, gosh, I think he might have said by the end of the end of November, yeah, the end of the year at least. Yeah, that's what they're, yeah. 
yeah. definitely aiming for the end of the year. Yeah. By and the so time if, this airs, it might already be. And so if you listeners want to know more about the Farm Bill, because it's fascinating, um, you can listen to episode 17 of Edible Economy okay, and nice. find out all the news about all the titles, all 12 titles, not just the two I just mentioned. 12 titles. So one thing um, in the in the Farm Bill... Uh, and I haven't done much research on this. It was just in, in doing research for this episode, I came across uh, there's companies that are doing CBD infused, and I uh, CBD is essentially hemp, the stuff that doesn't get you high. Right. Um, has lots of sil- syllables beyond C and B and D. But anyway, they're doing a lot of infused drinks. Uh, flower power drinks. But anyway. Interesting. Uh, right? So uh, it's like instead of taking the, you know, 10 drops of oil or whatever, just drink it and it tastes better? Well, yeah. Um, so there's this one company uh, called Joy Bird Wellness. Who? What do you think their logo is? Like a bird, like a sparrow flying happily in the air. It is <laughs> joyfully, I mean, joyfully. <laughs> a calm, smiling sloth. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and I had to that say that. Wishes because it was a bird and could move that fast. <laughs> I, I guess so. So he wants um, the, the owner of the company doesn't want people to just think about CBD. You know, everybody wants to. Distinguish CBD from THC, which right. THC is, you know, it's the drug that gets you high. CBD doesn't get you high. I think you could eat a pound of CBD and I, I maybe you would fall. I don't even know if you would fall asleep. I, I, I don't know. I've just read sure. that you can ingest you know, copious amounts of this without so a head change. There's so many health benefits to it. But so he wants to make sure that that nobody confuses CBD and THC. Mm -hmm. And then he says, he's a chilled out sloth that was enjoying himself. He gets lots of sleep. He likes to hang out. And that's the overall feeling of CBD. Kind of sounds like he went the exact opposite of what the CBD world is whining out of it. So I just just thought that that was... I don't either. When we were sampling it to people, they would say, I felt so chilled out just hanging out and having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) And that was best communicated through a friendly sloth. Um, So So, I'm making fun of this company. Yeah. And the marketing team behind it. And the marketing team behind it. Because I'm going to tell you, that is not CBD. CBD CBD stops little kids from having 100 seizures a day. And essentially becoming, getting into a prog- or a, 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 a vegetative state, a persistent vegetative state. It, it has all kinds of, you know, I'm not a doctor, so FDA, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Not- and then people saying, oh, I drank it and I felt so calm. Like, you wouldn't instantly like, oh, yeah. I'm going to take a sip and now I'm calm and high. Right. You <laughs> don't get high off of CBD. Um Again, we will have an episode on 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 hemp at some point, but just if people tell you they get high off of CBD, tell them they're full of it, okay? Or like the <laughs> story we heard the other day where like 
someone <laughs> thought that if they touched a hemp plant, they well, were going to was get it hemp or was it regular? It was it was regular. Okay, but but still, but still, keep going. They thought that if they touched a leaf, a just leaf, a leaf, yeah. Not a flower. They were going to get a contact high. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> I got a contact high because I, I physically came in contact with it. I, I don't think that's what a contact high is all, all about, but that is great. And this is like... A 70-year-old, 70-something person, like... Well-educated. Well-educated. In an industry. Very liberal person. In an industry that you would... You you should at least know that. Right? Interesting. So, like... Well, he so probably... that's just to show, like, the misconceptions out there right. are just mind-blowing. And so, you know, Joybird Wellness is not going to be able to get him as a customer because they're thinking, they're trying to make people think that they're getting high. They're probably in somewhere <laughs> like Alabama or Kentucky, you know, like the last places where medical marijuana and hemp and all of that were the last places to adopt that, you know? Okay. You know, like, oh, we got to stay away. That's, that's, you know, that's the devil's. The devil's tongue coming out of there. Yeah. So he's probably trying to get some people to think, hey, man, try this, you know? I just anyway, still think it's wrong. It's just silly. The wrong way to go about yeah. it. So, but there's some other really cool companies in there. You, you can read the article, and there are all kinds of hemp-infused drinks. I just wanted to call out one and say, hey, you know, Get get in line, bud. That's Joy, that's not Joy the sloth. yeah yeah yeah. Don't don't slovenly mess it up for <laughs> yeah. everyone. Yeah, buddy. Don't don't be that guy that ruins the party for everyone. Let's yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of cool products. Don't don't, don't follow that guy. Or 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 let's shape help up. him. Uh, yeah, change. or shape up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's help him. Yeah, and bring it, bring it, it about. Ruin the party. So for all of the, uh, what what's the beer of Chicago, Kim? Goose Island. No, not the fancy beer. <laughs> uh, not the pedantic beer. I think you're going with Pabst. Yes. So Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon. There you go. Which is... But I, I was thinking it was from Wisconsin at first when you said that, and then Old Milwaukee, and I was just getting confused. Oh, I don't even know if it's from Chicago. Okay. I think it is from Milwaukee. Yeah. Okay, you're, you're thank right. you. But it's the beer <laughs> that everybody in Chicago drinks for some reason. It's... Still? Yeah. I mean, I know they did. Still. I mean, it was the first place that I had ever seen it on tap. I know that the hipster revolution brought it back, and right, it's amazing. And now it's mainstream everywhere, and you see, you see, Pabst Blue Ribbon in a lot so of places. So, what's going on with Pabst? Well, so this American icon for the past two decades has been brewed and bottled, or I guess canned. I don't know canned. if there's such a thing as a bottle of Pla Pabst Blue Ribbon. I don't think Ribbon. so. Maybe um, there is now. By Miller Coors, which yes. it's funny that they say it's been two decades by Miller Coors because I don't think Miller Coors has been around for two decades. I think they were well, it was just Coors. Miller and then Coors, Coors right. and then InBev and then all kinds of all kinds of other things. So 
in Miller Coors' continued attempt to stamp out and crush any competition in the failing massive mega beer industry. Yes. And I say that because they have, in their attempt to crush out all of the other smaller craft beers, they bought the distribution company of these craft breweries. Uh, oh. And these, this distribution company, I mean, it, it had maybe a hundred, maybe more, maybe a little less. I don't know, but it had lots and lots of craft breweries, uh, that they, that they distributed for. And then when Miller Coors brought, bought them, they said, Oh yeah, we're, we're not going to be able to distribute your beer anymore. That distribution company should not have sold. Right. There, there's actually some legalities too that make it a pretty sketchy thing that they're doing, but nonetheless, it was great because all of these smaller companies, it, it just spawned another small distribution company right, of that, that just says, hey, we're just not going to work with those guys. And then they figured out their own distribution because with beer, you know, it's I guess it's I guess it's such a high dollar thing that it's maybe it's easier to distribute or something. But nonetheless, so in Miller Coors continuing effort to crush competition, <laughs> they uh, are saying, sorry, Pabst, we had been shutting a few of our uh, breweries throughout the country, and so now we don't have the capacity to brew your beer. And I guess there's a there's an agreement that, that the two companies have that uh, it looks like allows for Pabst to opt into another another term, another lease term, but co-packing term okay. or something like that. Uh-huh. But pa- but Miller Coors is saying, no, we don't have the capacity, so we have to break that now, which so critics from the... So maybe some other company can buy Pabst and I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it seems like there's not much of a company that it's a... A recipe with or, a brand. That's on what it. I mean. The yeah, recipe I know. and the brand. Which I guess is a company, but yeah. y- you know what I mean. Um, which goes back to one of the first things we talked about today with Sweet Green is yeah. own your systems as best you can. Otherwise, you are at the mercy of others, especially when you're at the mercy of your competitor. Right. Like, what? Like, I, I, I was. So, the most shocking thing to me in reading this. I'm not shocked that Miller Coors is doing something to, you know, squash competition. Right. Um, but the most surprising thing to me was that Paps didn't have their own bottling, packaging, which may explain why they essentially were dead for a long time. And, and then, then they came back. they had a resurgence. And then they said, you know, we want to keep up with this resurgence because we're a hip beer right now. And that was the only way they can do it. So I guess if that's the only way you can do it, or just grow small slowly. Yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah. so many craft beer companies doing awesome that are growing slowly and small, and and they're doing great. Right. And there's craft breweries all over the United States now. Yeah. I mean, they are. They are amazing. I think you're going to see a lot of the same thing in the CBD world, and maybe one day, one day in the in the legalized recreational marijuana world. Yes, um, there is something to be said that they uh, that the Great Depression. One of the ways we came out of the Great Great Depression 
was by ending prohibition. Uh, we're not in an economic storm right now. A lot of experts say there's one coming in spring or summer, but you know, sure. There's also a comet that's coming to destroy the world. But anyway, yeah, stay tuned. I guess we'll right? see where that goes. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. So uh, thanks, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening. And you can see the show notes at edibleeconomy.com and all, links to all articles and pictures. And please um, subscribe and rate us and tell your friends. And thanks to Kate and Truth and Legend Productions. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs>